Hello, everyone. Welcome to MD Talk. I'm your host, LaQuinta Jernigan. And for this episode, I am truly delighted to be joined by my colleagues, Tom Brazier, Director of Decentralized Clinical Trial Solutions, and Tarquin Scatting Hunt, CEO here at MD Group. Tarquin is a creative, patient-focused pioneer and business leader with over 20 years of experience in senior management in the sector. He's particularly passionate about the sweet spot between technological innovation and human connection. Tarquin has been promoting decentralized and hybrid clinical trials for many years, not just as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic, but because they are more accessible and focused on the patient's individual needs. Remarkable patient experiences lead to higher retention and engagement, which creates better clinical outcomes and more significant health equity. Tom joined us in 2019 and impresses with his passion for creating positive patient experiences using advanced technology. With a background in biochemistry, Tom has used his expertise to support our clients in adopting cutting-edge technology to improve clinical solutions through decentralization. Tom and Tarquin, thank you so much for joining and welcome to MD Talk. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the discussion. I think most in the ind- industry would probably agree we have some kind of painfully inefficient aspects and looking forward to what we can, some of the solutions to those in the coming 12 months. And uh, thanks for having me as well, uh, Quinta. I've lived and breathed uh, the values of uh, DCT ideals and uh, what's been in the patient's interest for some time in clinical trials. And I'm excited to be able to uh, share and talk about it today. This is great because I personally get the opportunity to collaborate and work with these two amazing people every day. And so I'm very excited that our audience gets to have just a taste of what I get to um, experience on a day-to-day. So on today's episode, we are going to discuss this past year of clinical trials. It's been an an insane year of change and innovation, and and we want to just like dive a little bit into that. Um, Also, while exploring existing trends and what we expect to see in 2023, I think as since we're just in January, this is a really good opportunity to kind of make our predictions for what the, the future holds. Um, but before we dive into that, I want to just like share a, a few statistics that will kind of guide our conversation today. In 2022, supply chain disruptions were a big topic. In the UK, a poll by the Pharmaceutical Journal showed that 54% believed medicine shortages put patients at risk in the past six months. And it was all over the news here as well. Lots of disruption and being able to get things that were common um, that once were readily available at the pharmacies and, and things like, you know, children's Tylenol, things like that. So lots of supply chain disruption. In the first quarter of 2022, more than 50% of sites cited staffing as their top issue. And this is something, again, that is no secret. We all felt that in this industry, um, and it was a a huge challenge um, in the previous year. The FDA approved 37 novel drugs in 2022, which is the fewest to pass since 2016. And decentralized clinical trials have continued to gain traction, growing from 912 trials in 2020 to over 1,200 in 2021. And the market is expected to grow by another 15% in the next five years. And I think to go with that, the growth of medical technology slowed during 2022 after record-breaking growth rates of over 16% in 2021. So we saw a huge peak in tech right after, you know, COVID um, really kind of came into our world. But 
Then we witnessed a decline in 20, um, 2022. So lots to talk about, right? Last year and, and how we think that this is all going to change um, for next year. So let's let's dive right in. My first question today, I'm going to um, direct to you, Tarquin. This industry is not new to you. You've been um, leading MD Group for nearly nine years now. And um, so you've seen a lot of changes in this industry. But when it comes to last year specifically, what are some of the key challenges that you noticed in the clinical industry? So in our area of the industry, very specifically in the DCT world, it it really has come from the background of like having the lockdowns in COVID and everybody uh, you know, being forced to change their patterns of thinking. So you're effectively got patients uh, being seen outside of clinics at home. And what has happened before was everybody was forced to go to the clinic. So you, you kind of had a complete reversal of what was going on, neither of which are realistic. And so my values are all around trying to do what's in the interest of the patient and what brings quality to their lives. And so last year, effectively, was a, a partial reversal of that scenario. Now, of course, when something changes in, in any industry, but very specifically in ours, it's it, everybody scrabbled to try and understand what was going on, uh, created a kind of semi-new normal for that short period of time. And then decentralized clinical trials have probably taken or been given a seat at the table, if you like. And they didn't, they didn't have that before at all. And so now we've kind of got to a position where there's a seat at the table, it's being talked about, uh, but there is a segment of the of the industry that still wants to go back to the way that everything was done before. So we still have a position where patients are being made to go to clinics uh, for all sorts of reasons. But generally speaking, it's because of past habits and the new way of thinking and the new experience of DCT shows um, that it is actually something that works well for the patient. And it isn't, doesn't have to be enormously more expensive to do. Um, it's just we need to start thinking about what is actually good for that patient. And this is just the start of that journey. So 22 is the start of a journey of normalizing the DCT world. Um, of course, everybody rushed to create technology, as you just said. Um, but actually, we've been doing it since going back 2019 so, and before. So we've been making technology for ages. And it, there, of course, there's going to be people jumping on saying they're doing things. But it, is it technology that's actually useful for your business? And is it working in the interest of the patients and the clinics? So that's kind of where I see we've come from. And tomorrow becomes more exciting still. Thank you. And I would, I would agree with you. And I think that, you know, entering into um, an unknown space even though, like you mentioned, like this, it's not like ha these components of DCTs are new. We've been doing them for quite some time, but having the awareness of them and having so many sponsors on board to them is on board for them is new. And so it's created a little bit of an unknown um, space here. And I think that when you have those unknown spaces um, and you you implement solutions that are new quickly, challenges do start to creep up. Um, and you're fighting the dinosaurs, and you're fighting dinosaurs too, right? So you've got big institutions that own lots of clinics and hospitals that are, have ruled the, ruled the uh, patient visit world, okay? And then that, that, and they had their apple cart turned over, 
And now, of course, uh, they're scrabbling to try and make sure that we still use them. So it continues to evolve. And I think that DCTs will grow in strength. And as you know, uh, I always harp on about it. I believe that the hybrid version is in the patient's interest because there is always a need for a patient to go to a clinic, just not every time. Right. I, I think that that's absolutely true. And, and you know, Tom, you know, obviously this is something that you live and breathe every day um, in, in supporting all of our DCT initiatives. So I'd like to see if you have any additional comments to add to kind of what you saw as some of the key challenges for last year. Yeah, I think building on what you guys said, there was some of the challenges around adoption, and that could be from various different stakeholders. Um, I think we spoke about sites a little bit there, and I think the the kind of rate at which those DCT solutions have been sort of thrust upon the industry and upon sites in particular has been challenging, particularly when you coincide it with what you mentioned earlier about the staffing uh, challenges that sites have experienced. So they've suddenly got this huge increase in kind of training need to get used to all these new solutions and technologies and portals and things that are out on the market and being um, implemented on different studies alongside trying to hire new talent into their organizations into their sites um, to deal with that that demand and onboarding them and all the challenges that go alongside that so I think that's been a, a key challenge from the last 12 months for sites um, another area I think is probably important to touch on is the kind of regulatory uncertainty around decentralized trials and how that has has impacted sponsors, CROs, and, and others in the industry in terms of the, the rate of uptake of, of different solutions, because there's been a, a lack of clarity in that space, I suppose, or a lack of information, um, which we did see start to get addressed at the back end of last year. Very welcome was the, the recommendation paper that was released in, in the EU. Um, so that we're starting to see that, that sort of improve, but I think that was a key aspect from last year as well that kind of slowed the rate of adoption. Yeah, and we've had a year, right? So, you know, this past year, there definitely have been some challenges. But I think that, you know, as the challenges made themselves known, we've been able to really think about, okay, well, what can we do to offset these challenges? So, um, Tom, I want to start with you on this next question. What do you see some of the key trends being um, in our sector for dealing with these challenges when we look towards the future of this year? Yeah, well, one thing I'm I'm looking forward to seeing more of this year is kind of um, collaboration across different um, different organisations within the industry, whether that's sponsors, CROs, or, or between vendors. And I've seen a couple of um, partnerships, acquisitions announced already in the early part of this year um, with providers in the, the decentralised space. Um, so I'm excited to kind of see that trend continue because I think there's real efficiencies to be had there. Um, where we've had possibly during COVID and, and since we've had um, sort of point solutions being released by different organizations. And I think there's a, a need to unite some of those under under one banner where it's possible and where it kind of makes sense um, to give sort of sponsors an easier time in terms of coming to to less vendors, having more, um, more services under one provider um, and being able to to give more of a comprehensive kind of decentralized solution for a study from one organization rather than having to try and figure out all, from all these um, hundreds of different providers, potentially, which are the right ones for your study. There's going to be, a, I think, a sort of trimming down of the of the pool of providers and, and some mergers and partnerships that will, that will really help in that space. Um, and alongside that, I guess, touching on the, the technology aspect of that as well. So hopefully those some of those partnerships will lead to 
more interoperability between different platforms. So we'll have things like potentially medical records speaking better to EDCs. Um, we'll have things like um, electronic source, which is being used to capture data in the patient's homes that can be um, transferred to sites much more uh, seamlessly than it is at the moment. Um, I think there's a lot of, of system integration type efficiencies there as well. Um, so that's a, a key area that I'm kind of looking on. I'm picking up off the regulatory theme as well. Hopefully, we've obviously had that paper at the back end of last year in the EU, which was great. Hopefully, hope to see that trend sort of continue in different parts of the world and see some some more guidance and recommendations and things come out from from regulators around the globe. Yeah, I think um, I'm really hoping that additional guidance um, is is a trend that we can we can see because some of the challenges really exist around the lack of understanding, education, knowledge, um, lack of process for sites, um, regulated process for sites. And I think if the the faster we have more guidance, like the the paper that you've referenced, Tom, I think that will the the faster we improve mm -hmm. adoption um, for these solutions and give people that that peace of mind. Tarquin, do you have anything you want to add? Yeah, regulators generally and governmental organisations tend to take a long time to ca catch up. And if we were honest, um, you know, the the COVID pandemic has accelerated decentralised clinical trial. Uh, thinking probably by about 10 years. So what we've achieved in 18 months to two years um, is really something that would have probably evolved over about a 10-year period if it hadn't have had that interruption. And of course, governments and uh, regulatory bodies would have been able to maintain some degree of pace. So at the moment, the regulatory bodies are making uh, playing catch-up with where we've, as an industry, have taken our decentralization and they're kind of trying to catch up to formulate a ground footprint as to how we should operate and under what framework should we should operate and what limitations and uh, at the moment there are segments of the world that are thinking about it well and there are other areas and countries where it's kind of either perceived as oh no we can't do that or um you know or, or there's some way of it kind of not working or being slightly clunky or there's nothing there to tell us what we can and can't do and so uh, those frameworks and rule-based rule uh, footprints that we all like to work in, especially in our regulated industry, um, is a very welcome site because it makes it much easier for us to decide how we, can, uh, how we can fit into the picture. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And that reminded me of a, of a point that actually the last sort of 18 months and, and that accelerated timeframe for rolling out some of these solutions has really shown us that actually we can lead the regulators in places. We don't necessarily have to wait for the regulators to push us down a certain path. Like there is that option. And, and I think it's demonstrated that regulators are generally really open to having these conversations as long as they're being had up front and it's not retrospective. Um, they're really happy to kind of input and give advice on, on how to implement some of these new solutions. And I think, you know, COVID absolutely helped with that behavior because, you know, when COVID happened, all of a sudden it was, do what you can, what you need to do yeah. <laughs> to keep the research totally. going. There were so many exceptions made, so many kind of, you know, rules that were like dropped just so that research could continue. Um, and I, I think that that absolutely aided in the fact that, you know, we had a good year of um, to show that these are the things that we can do when we're allowed that space um, and the ability to kind of think outside the box and use some of these DCTs. Um, 
or DCT solutions. And so now it's easier to kind of take that guiding guiding stance, Tom, where we're we're showing like this is what works, and then going to regulators to show like this is how this could work if you consider X, Y, or Z. And then they're more willing now to kind of follow mm-hmm. in suit. So I think that there's you know that is one thing we can thank um, COVID for giving us this ability now to kind of work in a new way and move a little bit quicker with some of these regulations. It's kind of the opportunity to actually show that it works. No, normally what happens is like, oh, it's not tested. You, you know, we don't know if that works. And that would be the first point of conversation. Whereas actually, you know, we've been preparing and creating some of these solutions way before COVID even started. And we, COVID just happened to happen at the moment that we were ready to have these combined offerings and you know it's helped, that helped accelerate that whole process and it, it's been a very very interesting journey because actually everybody was open to to try something new at that point because we were only just ready ourselves you know so we we, we let people try what we were thinking of doing and how we were going to do it and people were open to that level of experimentation which normally as a conservative industry that we are but we don't want to take any risk. We take any risk that we possibly can. And in those moments where you were, like you said, liquidity, it was like, just get it done. Yeah, it was like that actually played really nicely into opening up this new industry, which actually would have crept really slowly like a snail otherwise. And we kind of leapfrogged a period of time to go, right, now we're in the modern world. We're kind of catching up with uh, other parts of uh, our life, you know, our lives where software kind of has plays a much bigger part in, in other industries, but not ours so much as it, in those days. So I think that's where we've come from. And we're definitely going further down that road of this sort of interaction with, with software and people being much close, more closely aligned uh, to, other, to other segments of different industries. Um, and we're kind of playing a bit of catch up from our conservative world that we sit in. Yeah, I I mean, I'm definitely so just thrilled that we're finally as a whole, like embracing technology um, when it comes to clinical trials. And we're getting excited about the possibilities of how technology can replace some of the old paper based um, processes that we've had in place for so long that other industries have long forgotten and left behind. But we've been holding on to uh, with for dear life. So that is definitely a positive that's come in the past two years. And I know that there's probably a lot more than than just that aspect. So Tom, back to you. What are some of the other positives that you've seen come out of the previous year? Yeah, so I was gonna, so one of the other the other positives I saw come out of last year were things like the so different initiatives across across the industry where uh, kind of multiple different stakeholders were pulled together and things like the the trials at home radial study, which has been which had some approvals, some key approvals come through last year and sort of really looking forward to seeing how that progresses through this year. Um, for those who aren't familiar, is a study where they've they've created different different arms of the trial to compare traditional trial, um, traditional site-based trials with hybrid and fully decentralized solutions. Um, several different endpoints they're looking at, such as like dropout rates and recruitment rate. Um, so looking forward to, to seeing how that progresses this year. But I thought that was a that was a nice um, nice win last year, seeing some of the key regulatory approvals come through for that trial to go ahead. How about you, Tarquin? Um, 
Well, for me, I'm kind of a more less about the specific, in, but more about actually. I'm really happy now that having been through the journey we've had, we've got patients and HCPs that are open to, you know, with their sites and open to how the patients are going to visit them. Pa- patients are happy to challenge clinicians because actually they know that it can be done in the home, right? Because that never existed before, and equally, uh, clinicians are kind of like, well, actually, you don't actually need to see me in the clinic for that do you see what i mean so there's actually the mindset and the conversations i think and the dynamics are slightly different this this last year and as we move forward i think that those challenges from the patient patients are being more empowered which is fantastic that's that's part of what we live for and what is our mantra right so the patients feel more empowered to actually ask for what they want and i think that uh, they know that that exists and they can actually ask for it as opposed to being dragged to the clinic I agree. And I think that, you know, this whole idea of clinical research as a care option for patients that I feel like really gained a little bit of momentum last year, and I think will continue to gain momentum. It's allowing more and more people to be aware of clinical research. And I think the more patients out there that are aware of it and will ask their physicians about clinical research options, the more they are, to your point, Tark, when you're going to have more people pushing for some of these solutions and options. Um, they're not going to want it to just be dictated to them how they receive their their care. Um, they're going to want to see that they have options and control over their journey. Um, and so that's going to feed really nicely into these decentralized solutions, but also the hybrid option of, you know, you can go into the site or stay at home and, and patients will really want that and expect that. And um, I think that having more awareness around clinical research is just going to make that put put that even more at the forefront of the discussion. And equally, you know, uh, some of the work that Tom's been doing, you can have uh, the clinicians. It's not like they don't have to be in the patient's home when a nurse is visiting them. Uh, the clinician can be present at that at that uh, consultation at the same time as the receiving some care from a from a nurse in their own home. So it's not like the the power is taken away from the consultant. Uh, the power is you know the 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 medical kind of overview is still there doesn't have to be taken away. It just means it's done slightly differently using the technology as a platform to do it. Absolutely. And I know that telehealth was something that, you know, really came into full force probably in 2021 as it were 2020 really and 2021 as opposed to 2022. But I still think that that is a huge positive still. Um, The adaption, um, the acceptability of telehealth, because it does to your point, Tarquin, it allows us to offer patients so many more options that both give them what they need, the convenience of being at their home, but also gives the physician the comfort of also being present for that visit. Um, And it's just so convenient. And I'm I'm glad that that has become a norm now when we talk about clinical research um, and just for medical reasons in in general, telehealth is so much more used now than it has been ever before. Yeah. And another point I was thinking on for the kind of power to the patients that we were, we were talking about. So I would I think it would be really great to see more of this year is patients having access to their trial data. Um so there's there's too many examples where where patients sort of clinical trial data and general healthcare data exist in two silos and they don't really talk to each other. So the patient might have some blood work done on their trial on on Tuesday and then the following Saturday they have to go to their regular physician and have the same blood work repeated because that that physician doesn't have access to their trial data. So I think it would be great to see an improvement in that. Obviously, there's some data that can't be shared for blinding reasons and, and other 
Um, but it would be great to see more of that. I think there's a lot of data that can be shared and could really benefit patients. I think some of that is all about um, moving them away, patients away from being a subject to being a patient and have that human caring touch uh, and sharing their information is all part of that right. modern modern world using technology to kind of share in a in in a fair and efficient way like you said there are certain things that are blinded that can't be seen but the but on the whole a patient needs to know a little bit about themselves and not have to do it mm. over and over again yeah and and not only about them themselves but also about the trial as a whole so there's i think there's opportunities to to report to patients at certain time points within the study about how that trial might be going um and i think that that can, if done right, it can really boost engagement um, of patients in that trial and can lead to better kind of compliance rates, lower dropout rates, and, and all that good stuff that we want to see on trials. I, th- I think that's a really key point, actually, Tom, to be honest, because uh, if the patients are engaged and they feel part of that trial in themselves, in the way that they're treated, the information that's shared with them, then they're going to feel more comfortable and want to, they're going to want to the success of that trial. And they're going to be helping to strive for the success of that trial by working with uh, the organisations because they, they have a much more in-depth knowledge about what's going on and what the goals are. And, and they feel part, they really feel part of it. And that's a, that's a really key, key element, I think, in making sure they don't drop out. Yeah, absolutely. And we've, we've seen countless amounts of research that shows that one of the common reasons that patients do drop out is because they feel like they never know what's going on within the trial. They never get feedback. They they can't access that information. Um, so again, I think you're both spot on. Engagement really does aid in retention. And this is something I think that is a simple way that we can increase that engagement. So I'm gonna, we, we're gonna wrap up our conversation because I think we could keep talking for hours on this topic. But uh, I wanna close our conversation today with, I know that New Year's resolutions are, are not a popular thing anymore. I know it's it's kind of like people don't like setting them. So instead of a New Year's resolution for this industry, what are your what is your your hope for this year for the industry? What would you most like to see us achieve as a collective in 2023? And we'll start with you, Tarka. So I would like to see um, an improved framework coming from all the regulatory bodies to, to try and normalize and standardize kind of how we're expected to operate uh, to uh, to onboard and uh, accept the technological advances and the fact that the patient should have the choice I really think that the patient need to, needs to have more still more choice I think it provides a better equitable kind of basis for uh, the clinical trials more diverse context for the for the participants in those trials. So I would like to see a mixture of um, a more of a blessing around kind of like having hybrid trials so that uh, you have those better mixes of people and better opportunities for all. And also that uh, the technology takes the, the pain and sting out of it for everybody. A bit of maturity, I suppose, around those areas, really. That's a good one. I would agree. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I think kind of similar to that point but that this the scalability of participant choice in trials i think is a really key area that we that we need to focus on and, and make improvements on and i'd love to see us make some significant 
inroads into that this year. So how do we sort of implement all these different solutions on a trial and give participants all these different choices and make that a kind of viable option for sponsors, CROs to set up both financially and logistically um, so that it's manageable and so that it's affordable um, so that patients can really benefit from all the great solutions that are out there on the market. Yeah. And and I think for me, you know, one of my hopes for this year is more collaboration with all involved in creating decisions and solutions for this space. You know, let's let's collaborate with the sites. Let's understand what they what they want to see, what they need, what they think patients need. Let's collaborate with patients, but not keeping it so tight with just, you know, within the sponsor CRO space, but expanding this discussion out so that we can truly make sure everyone has a seat at the table when we're making decisions about what this is going to look like in the future. So, so that's my, um, my hope for 2023. Well, I am so grateful that you two gave the time to come on the show today. It's been really great talking to you. Um, and like I said, this is something that we could all talk about forever. And lucky for me, I can talk to you about it tomorrow because, or next week because um, I have the, the pleasure of working with you <laughs> on a day-to-day basis, creating and um, solutions to tackle these challenges. Um, for those of you listening, if you are interested in learning more about this um, concept of hybrid solutions to aid in the DCT movement, um, MD Group will be attending the Scope Summit uh, conference next month um, in Orlando. And our very own Caroline, who is our VP of Patient Services, is presenting a case study on hybrid solutions um, at the breakfast presentation on Wednesday, February 8th. So if you are attending the show, please join for that um, discussion. For everyone else out there, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed our conversation, please rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening as it helps other people like you who are committed to driving industry change, find us. For more content around key issues in the clinical research industry, follow us on social media at MD Group International on Twitter. Find us on LinkedIn by searching MD Group or visit our blog at any time at mdgroup.com. Thanks again for listening and until next time, be well.